Hello and welcome to this edition of the Halftime Orange podcast with me, your host, Brenton Webber. Today, I am going to be speaking with Beck Faye, or Beck Faye Coleman, as you'll find her on LinkedIn. Um, she's from Wollongong, from New South Wales, um, a wonderful lady who is the creator of the Marketplace Growth Story Accelerator Blueprint, valuable for anybody who thinks they might be in a marketplace or is exploring a marketplace. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Beck. Hello and welcome to the Halftime Orange podcast with me, your host, Brenton Webber. Today, I am delighted to introduce to you um, a, a real a, a real change maker, in my opinion, a lady called Beck Faye, and she has, in, in my opinion, got one of the, the most interesting marketplace um, approaches. Um, and oh, I'm not going to go into it, Beck, so please, um, if, for, for all my listeners that don't know you, Please introduce yourself and a little bit about your journey and, you know, how and a little bit about the, uh, the the marketplace model as well. Let's explore that. Wonderful. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's really great to be on the show. Uh, so I guess uh, my, my journey started um, uh, quite a while ago, I guess now, uh, 12, 13, 14 years ago um, when I started in design. Uh, when I started, I learnt graphic design, web design, um, and that really led me on a really interesting journey that's got me to where I am now. Um, and I'll come back to that in a minute, but I guess that the, the where I am coming from now, I really focus in on helping two-sided marketplaces or multi-sided marketplaces to really understand their users, uh, understanding how they can uh, really get that growth acceleration that they're looking for uh, within their platform. Uh, now, I guess for anybody who's not familiar uh, by what I mean by a marketplace, um, this is a topic that can be a little bit confusing for somebody who isn't necessarily in the, the marketplace industry. So marketplaces, um, generally when I say marketplace, people go, oh, Facebook, Facebook marketplace. Oh, yeah, I get that. Um, now, Facebook marketplace is a good example um, where you have buyers and you have sellers. Uh but if you also think of Airbnb uh, or Uber, um, you've got Deliveroo, all of those guys are essentially a two-sided marketplace platform. So they have um, suppliers on one side, so whether it's um, accommodation through people who rent out their houses, whether it's Uber, which is obviously um, people who um, where you can get your on-demand taxis. Uh, yep. But then there's also uh, so many other marketplaces that are out there now which um, in my opinion, they're like just absolutely fascinating and um, I've been absolutely obsessed with these uh, marketplace business models essentially for, for quite a long time now. Um, but you really have like that's uh, how we came to meet. We're looking at a very interesting six-sided marketplace. It was, it was exactly. So they they become um, very, there's so many different uh, different ways that these platforms really come together. And um, like you have things where you can rent out push bikes, uh, you can rent out tools, you can um, buy from makers all over the world. If you think of Etsy, uh, you can find babysitters as well for um, and meet people who live in your neighbourhood to babysit your children. You can. Uh, rent caravans and RVs, um, that kind of thing as well. Like there's just so many different types of, of marketplaces out there. Beck, do you think that there's a number of companies out there that might not know that they're part of a marketplace and yet have the opportunity to really improve their business by understanding the marketplace that they are creating or that they're in? 
Yeah, definitely. Look, I think that there's many people who are out there who could have an existing business um, and they are essentially sitting on a marketplace um, or a potential marketplace as well without necessarily realising it. Um, Generally, a a business that has supply and demand, uh, whether they're on via a website like Airbnb, so actually having a website that facilitates the supply and demand connecting, or they may actually have this um, whole concept of a marketplace, but in the offline world. So it could be actually through physically connecting supply and demand of any type um, without necessarily using the technology as well. They very much could be sitting on that marketplace and not really understand it as well. And what's really great and exciting about it is that if somebody is in that boat, there's a really great opportunity to maybe explore scaling up their business from that physical sense where they are facilitating um, the the transaction or the the exchange of goods or services between a supply and demand side, they could potentially scale up their business from by actually translating that then online. Um, and what's really interesting about that is actually the the very first step that I, I talk about a lot with marketplaces or people who have a marketplace idea is starting off in the on uh, the offline world. Uh, and really ensuring that they understand their business model, uh, ensuring they understand what this marketplace concept is that they're exploring, testing it there, and then taking it online. So for anybody who is actually sitting in a space where they have a marketplace um, without knowing about it, it's actually really a really interesting opportunity because they've already um, done all the hard work essentially improving that they've got a concept, and it's a great opportunity to scale up from there. Mm, So, yeah, definitely, definitely. I I wonder whether there's also people who are in a marketplace that's not operating properly. There's a huge opportunity for those individuals to come in and ta- remove the pain points and um, grease the wheels sure. and, you know, yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, so, and that's that's a lot of the, the work that I do uh, with people who do run marketplaces is really understanding, uh, number one, what is the core basis of their marketplace? What uh, is that? Uh, how does it operate? What does the journey to true success look like for people who are within their marketplace? Um, and this is for people who know they are running a marketplace or whether they don't. If we can really look at that journey that their the users are going through, we can start to understand where those friction points are. We can start to understand how we can optimise things. And we can start to then really work out how we can uh, grow things from there. Uh, and it's d- d- definitely a, a really great place to start. I love your model. Um, especially because the the customer is so fundamentally important to your pillars, so we 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 still need to, to hear about you as well. But let's let let's carry on. Um, let's get down into the 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 pillars. What I think there's about eight pillars, aren't there, with the model? And yes, uh, maybe right. you could just introduce the listeners to what they what they are and the and the power found with inside each of them. Yeah, definitely. So I guess um, coming back a couple of steps. So for anybody who either has an idea for a marketplace or has a marketplace already, uh, basically the eight pillars of marketplace success allow us to really take a step back and understand what the marketplace um, looks like at a high level. Um, And it dives through eight pillars, which I'll go into in a second. Um, But essentially by really understanding what that marketplace looks like at a high level, we can then dive deeper into each of the pillars. And either if it's an idea, we can start to design and understand what we need to build as a marketplace platform. Um, Or if it's an existing marketplace, we can start to really understand where we need to start optimising the experience for the users, which essentially is what will make or break a marketplace. We need to really understand the end users and and what what they really consider to be um, a successful experience for the platform, and that's what will really help a marketplace be successful in the long run. 
Um, now, each of those eight pillars, um, the best way of really understanding this, um, I have designed um, something that I call a, call a marketplace map. And this actually uh, visually displays these eight pillars. Um, and it's um, downloadable by my website, um, which um, hopefully we can maybe share out the link at the end of oh, this. Oh, we will definitely. Anything that you'd like to share, <laughs> we'd love to share. So That'd be great because I think it, it is a really, really useful tool that allows anybody who yeah, has an idea for a marketplace or is growing a marketplace to understand what these eight pillars are and how they can then start to really build out a marketplace uh, and grow a marketplace in the most efficient way possible. Uh, now, to talk about those eight pillars, um, essentially, um, now generally it's always nice to have a visualisation for this. So for anybody who is listening, maybe download it so you can actually see what I'm talking about. Um, but essentially, if you imagine um, an A4 piece of paper, for anybody who's um, used a link canvas before or the business canvas, um, similar kind of concept, you've got one page, A4, and you've got several boxes on that page. Um, now, on our left-hand side and the right-hand side, we have our two two boxes which are essentially our sides and this is pillar number one. Now sides talks about really getting to the to understand our users uh, and the people that are behind who we want to use our marketplace. So on the left hand side we have the supply, on the right hand side we have demand and through in each of these boxes we have um, several segments that might be in there um, and we need to really get to know these users uh, and there's several elements that fall into each of these pillars that we really need to understand and finesse. Um, now, there's way too much detail for me to go through all of it here, but essentially know that these pillars um, are the um, essentially a, a category, I guess, of things that we need to look at and understanding what goes into a marketplace and to really make sure it's been successful. Uh, once we have once once we have a really good understanding of what um, pillar number one is, so our sides on both supply and demand, um, and these segments that are within that group, we then kind of come to the middle of that A4 piece of paper where we have at your core, and this is where those two sides basically join together and they come together, and this is where we have our value proposition. We understand what is it that's actually transacting through our marketplace. Uh, we understand how we're going to measure success at a, at a, um, a high level within the platform. Um, and then there's several things that, again, come under that. Brand messaging and so on are also kind of all part of this. And this is where we do look at how do we finesse the messaging, how do we finesse what we're exchanging, how do we ensure that everything's going to come together, how do we ensure that these supply and demand are going to connect together successfully in the middle. Um, so that's where we kind of look at things like that. Now, if you take a bit of a step to the right and left of that inside box, again, much easier with a visualisation. <laughs> so hopefully sure, I hope you've all downloaded this. Yes. <laughs> um, always hard on a podcast to, to really explain this but uh, yeah essentially to the left and right of that um, you have the tools and interactions this is pillar number three and this is where we basically understand what are the, the interactions that need to happen to successfully facilitate um, the, the users on each side of the market to actually get to the point where they truly uh, experience a successful experience on their platform. Uh, now, one of the challenges and one of the big problems I see a lot of, or mistakes, I suppose you could say, a lot of that a lot of marketplaces will do is really they'll jump straight into trying to, they've got an idea for a marketplace and they'll jump into figuring out, all right, how am I going to build it and what am I going to build it in and what do I need to build? But they've actually missed steps one, two, and three before them. Uh, pillar number three, tools and interactions interactions is very important um, but it does come a little bit later on in the journey because you need to really understand what's happening how you're going to be connecting those two sides together um, by 
Pillar number three, we start to dive into what's that journey look like? How do those interactions um, happen between the supply and the demand? Uh, and this is where we can start to plan out what kind of tools and functionality we need. It helps us to plan out, uh, particularly if you already have an existing marketplace, how do we understand where the high risk interactions are happening, the high value interactions are happening as well? So we can then start to really optimize um, our marketplace journey. Uh, to make sure that our users are experiencing um, a successful experience, essentially. And we've got to really remember that uh, this marketplace is only going to be successful if the people who are trying to interact on your platform are having a successful experience. And that's Mm. where it does really come down to understanding what the customer experience looks like, how they measure true success. Um, And I like to call it true success as well uh, in that we want to make sure we know for certain how our users measure success in their mind it's not what we think it's not that not um, us making jumping to conclusions to what we think they're going to measure as success it's actually going out and speaking to real people who are going to be using your platform who are using your platform and understanding what essentially that subconscious checklist is that they go through when they're using your platform to ensure that they have a successful experience and that doesn't just end when they go through and actually make a transaction. So, for example, Airbnb, that experience doesn't end when they book the Airbnb. It extends right the way through to them actually going, visiting the Airbnb, checking in successfully, uh, moving through, having their stay. Um, everything's really great during that experience. And then right the way through to when they've checked out, they've got home and they've left the review. And ideally, you want them to start to tell um, their family and friends about what a great experience they've had. So that experience goes all the way through. So it's really important that we don't just cut that short and, and kind of forget about the, the tail end of that experience. Um, but, yes. You're so right. I mean, with by starting at the outcomes that are being desired from the customers, that's how you get true success, um, not the customer, not the company-centric success that our Precisely. successful business outcomes focus on. That's right, exactly. And it is a mistake that I think a lot of people do jump into, a lot of businesses jump into, is really making the assumption um, of, of how the users are going to um, uh, yeah, experience that platform and what is going to be successful for them. It can be quite different. I think so, if you're not doing that, all you end up becoming as a marketplace is an agent. You know, the, the, there's, there's this philosophical thing with the they, – they think that the – you know, the driver of the French Revolution was the growth in agency. It wasn't adding anything to it. It wasn't helping people become more successful in the outcomes that it was taking. It was literally just, we're going to take our slice of that. We're going to take our slice of that. And so I don't see how marketplaces can can survive. My favorite marketplace is also mm-hmm. one of my exemplar CX companies, customer-centric yeah. companies, which is, of course is Amazon. Massive marketplace, many sides, I imagine. Yes. Now, these days they are. They started off in books. They started off small and look how big they are now. Amazing. And, yeah, and that, it does come down to understanding the customer, understanding what they need, what they want, um, and being able to deliver on that as well and creating that successful experience. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. What brought you to the marketplace map? What was the journey that that, that, that made you realise that this is, you know, this valuable tool was 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 required? It's a really good question. Um, there's basically going back uh, six or so years ago now. Um, I had my own marketplace, which was called the Wholesome Dollar, uh, and the Wholesome Dollar was all about connecting people who had a marketplace um, with people who wanted to earn flexible income. Uh, now. 
uh, that was a, a platform that I was absolutely so dedicated to and it was kind of my everything when I was working on it. Um, but I did come across some really interesting hurdles and there wasn't really any resources out there at the time that were really there to kind of guide us through starting a marketplace or to, to really build out and grow a marketplace. And it was really, really challenging. Um, and I remember one day I was kind of sitting there and just kind of really pulling my hair out um, and just I wasn't able to uh, – I just felt like I've been pulled in so many different directions with this business and I didn't know where to focus. Uh, in the end, it actually burnt me out completely and I ended up um, taking a break. Um, I went travelling around Asia for three or so months with my partner and just decided to have a bit of a, a step away from it for a little bit. Um, in that time, I did a lot of reading about everything marketplaces, uh, everything kind of online business startups and, and all the things you, you typically do. Um, and I really just really enjoyed having that time away. Um, now, I guess what I should say as well, so my experience um, and my background before I led into the wholesome dollar was in uh, web design, um, online business before it was called um, tech startups essentially yeah. Yeah. Uh, and UX, UX design as well. So um, I was absolutely fascinated and dedicated to designing the best websites that are out there, great user experience, but also delivered business values as well. So ensuring that um, a business was clear on, on what their objectives were, ensuring that the people who were uh, using their particular website were actually achieving um, success by both the user's um, perspective as well as the business perspective of um, conversions, for example. So, so that was kind of my background leading into this and I've kind of jumped all over the place here a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so through all my experience leading up to that point, um, when when we were in Asia, I was, I was sitting there one day and uh, just really had this revelation, I guess, and I, was, I had a pen and paper there and I started scribbling and all these, these kind of ideas, all these concepts that I'd been reading about marketplaces and, and so on, and it started to come together in this uh, kind of a, a vision, I guess, that I was able to sketch down as to how marketplaces would function. Um, suddenly I was able to kind of simplify down all the stuff that I've been reading down to these eight pillars. And once I saw it on paper, it really started to make a lot of sense to me and it made me realise um, the areas that I was um, – the wholesome dollar was quite weak in, um, the areas that were really letting me down. And it also, um, I guess by that point as well, it was a really great point to stop and reflect on a lot of conversations I'd had with many, many marketplace founders before that as well. One of the beauty, um, beautiful things about working for the wholesome dollar, um, studying the wholesome dollar, meant that I got to speak to marketplace founders of all shapes and sizes um, to onboard them onto the wholesome dollar. And through those conversations, I'd already realised there was a lot of challenges that they were facing. Um, and as I was sketching out this um, the marketplace map for the very first time, it became really clear about um, this map would also help them and help a lot of the challenges that they were coming up against as well. Uh, and so that was kind of really the, the the day where the marketplace map come to be. And since then, I've been refining it and developing a framework around that. Um, now I have the marketplace growth um, acceleration blueprint, um, which allows me to really walk marketplaces through helping them to build up the growth story, essentially, um, using that framework. And if somebody has an idea as well, I have uh, another blueprint that's actually designed around helping them to figure out what is it that they need to um, understand before they start building. Um, I try to tell everybody to kind of stop if they're planning on building a marketplace and to take a few steps back because there's some steps we need to do first to ensure that they're not going to waste um, time and money. Um, it's my pet hate seeing people build things before they really understand what they need to build. Um, I've seen so many people waste um, so much money and time and energy on, on building something that's um, 
they get to market and they realise that's completely wrong. Um, so I'm on a mission to really stop people from doing that. I want to help them before they get to the point of building, um, which, yeah, is something that I'm really, really passionate about. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how that all, all came to be. Well, I think I think that's why you and I synergize together. That's a horrible word, isn't it? But how we why, why we why we get on because we are trying to trying to get that. We were talking to another gentleman on the the, the podcast only a couple of weeks ago, a guy called Sam Kamani, and he works with founders. And he predicted from his years of experience that eighty percent of founders have no idea what the problem is that they're trying to fix. Now that is the fundamental of any business, surely. And yet there are so many people that are not doing that. And that's that's really at the core of what market the, the marketplace map is about as well, as for what I can see. Without that, it's very it's very difficult to um to plan the future either. Um, otherwise you're just I've got this really innovative idea that I'm gonna try and now find a problem that I can fix with it. As, uh, yes. as opposed to finding the problem yeah. first and then fashioning the right tool. Yeah, yeah. And what, what I find really interesting as well is like one of the processes that I encourage um, founders to go through when they have an idea is to actually get out and start speaking to people, um, start actually creating this marketplace offline, and we touched on this before. Um, but I find just that that point of um putting the, the brake on building anything and actually de- um, deciding, okay, what is this pain point we think we're solving? G- um, going out and actually finding the supply, finding the demand and creating five success stories. That's the milestone that I encourage people to get to. If they can go out and successfully create the transaction between um, somebody who wants something and somebody who has something in the, the concept of their marketplace, if they can do that by hand-holding and without relying on having to build a website, um, I find that what's really interesting about that is the pain point they think that they were trying to solve actually becomes quite different. Um, it can actually pivot quite drastically very quickly. Um, one of the problems I see a lot of people do jump in, they build the marketplace, and with the marketplace, um, things change. Like It's so hard to understand exactly what the needs are of both markets. So to actually jump in and build something and guess um, is just a recipe for disaster in my mind. Um, so generally any marketplace, I mean, if you, you take it back to bare bones, like a marketplace itself, and this is where people get it wrong, um, a marketplace itself, a website, say like if you think of Airbnb.com, for example, yeah. that website is purely there to help Airbnb as a business scale. It's not there. It's not the business. The business is the actual facilitation, the transacting of helping somebody find an accommodation, finding a, a room to, to rent or finding a house to rent, helping them find that and then successfully um, essentially agree with the, the owner of that particular property that they can come and stay. That's the that's the exchange, the transaction that's happening there. Um, the website is purely to help them scale up uh, because Airbnb can't hold handhold that many people to connect them together and do the manual introductions and things like that. But in the early days of a marketplace, we're, we have the luxury where we can really pivot really, really quickly by manually going out, finding the people who have the thing, going out and finding the people who want the thing, hand-holding them and actually connecting them, connecting them, introducing them manually by old-school methods of, hey, picking up the phone or um, in a pre-COVID world of coffee or whatever it happens to be depending on the, the yeah. type of business um, that we're talking about. Um, but just being able to do that manages to it really helps us to make sure we are actually solving a pain point that is important to our customers, which is ideally what we're all about. 
if we're solving a pain point that we think that they have, we can really easily get that wrong. We can spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on building the wrong thing. We waste six months, 12 months, 18 months trying to figure out why isn't this working? And then we realize that actually there's these little tiny intricacies that we've really missed and we've actually missed the mark. We've missed this huge opportunity to, to build a business because we jumped in and jumped in too far, jumped in too quickly and built. If in that first week, two weeks of having this idea, if we went and manually connected these people together, we could actually enable them to, we could actually figure out um, how to shift our business model before we build. We can actually make sure we're building the right tools and interactions. We can make sure we're building the right things for the right business really quickly rather than having to, and uh, more accurately rather than kind of really jumping, jumping the gun essentially. Uh, and that's one of the things that um, I have a webinar um, coming up um, soon about is actually how to take an idea and how to go through that process. Um, so I'm really excited. I'm just kind of pulling that content together at the moment. When's that? Uh, I haven't set a date yet, but it is coming up in the next kind of four, four to six weeks. So Okay. Well, by the time this goes out, well, it's yep. probably, we're probably two weeks away, a um, bit of a timestamp. Um, so hopefully, good note. Goodness knows what the world's going to look like in, in two weeks. So probably not. Why are these, why are these people knows? not talking about this most important thing that's just happened? But um, <laughs> what, what we can do by that by that time, um, and of course something big is happening today. We're all kind of wondering yes. which way a certain decision is going to go. Um, so we will definitely link to that webinar, and um, good luck with it. Actually, yeah, um, actually, um, I've literally just finished recording or being in my first webinar which was a bit of a baptism of fire it was <laughs> lots of fun lots of fun I mean for me it was really important I'm sure you'd be the same just want to pack those webinars with with so much value because I've been to a few webinars over the you know we've did what you did with my CX um, journey. It was lots of reading of books, watching webinars, pot, listening to podcasts, synth, you know, absorbing and synthesizing the ideas from what we'd absorbed. Um, but there were a lot of webinars that pretty much turned me off companies for for good because of uh, the, the, the we're, I'm going to get the most insightful um, hour of my life according to um, <laughs> according to the invitation so it's so important to so important to to deliver on those um, I'm definitely going to be signing up to that and um, there's there's so many things that we've kind of covered I, I I love the fact that you, you're proving what I believe is that specialization is actually quite dangerous in, in <laughs> business. <laughs> that it, it is, it, it is where the, the, the ideas, where, where they're coming from graphic designers, web designers, um, who are, we're all customers, we're all users. We all have these wonderful insights when we're allowed to think like customers or, or, or participants in a marketplace. And, and of course, when you're, when you're driving it. The other thing that sprang to mind was um, by, by companies accepting that they have to start focusing on the solutions. We won't have these awful stories of this companies that I'm involved in, I'm sure that you're involved in, where the, the actual idea itself has got so much potential to make such a very massive difference. But because of ill-thought-out reasons at the beginning, they're losing the opportunity for investment. Maybe they're into their second or third round of investment. And it's you've got legacy ideas with legacy software, with legacy people, and all of a sudden you're, you've, you've got other people. We're all trying to solve our problems at the moment. There's lots of people looking at all of these marketplaces like trying to fix them. These, these delays of a lack of understanding open the door for other people to come in and you know, the, the big outcome doesn't change, 
But it does yeah, mean that yeah. these these people with the opportunities to make a big splash could well be losing their their, their golden ticket. Yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely um, a lot of business out there that, that could be um, approaching things in a customer-centric way uh, that would really help solve a lot of problems and um, really help them to really think through the marketplace platform if that's a path that's that's happening. Um, like it's just so critical to really think these things through and um, but also to not necessarily just think um, I think a lot of it and I think the message I'd really like to get out there is it's not just about thinking and guessing it's a really about getting out there and speaking to people at the end of the day there's people in your marketplace that are going to be uh, the the reason why you succeed or fail if you're not out there talking to people connecting with them uh, really understanding them understanding everything that they're about and what it is that makes them tick and helps them to make decisions and and those kind of things if you're not addressing those things up front you're going to really miss the boat essentially so I think that's absolutely key to to really come back to to speaking to people um essentially and not even just speaking doing actually doing the hand holding and learning learning from that experience because I I can speak from personal um personal experience um so I had another marketplace concept that I was working on um at the same time as I was working on the Hossam Dollar that had led out to a um kind of a a winged um or a sideline side hustle I suppose um marketplace that I was really interested in exploring um and it had a lot of potential um and it was one of those things that um I actually went through this experiment of doing the five success stories and the traction that I got was really, really great, but I did hit a hurdle, which I was not really expecting. Um, I realised that the two sides that I was looking at, the supply and the demand, there's actually a third wing, a third side that I needed to be looking at um, in order to bring the two sides together successfully. There was a piece of the puzzle that was missing. Now, I had I not have gone out and done that experiment, um, I would have completely missed the mark on that and I would have been really struggling to to get that traction that I was looking for. So I was really lucky that I was able to pick up on that quite early on and um, essentially at that point decide whether it was something that I was going to pursue or not. Um, and uh, there's a whole other story around that one, but essentially at that point in time I had three businesses I was running, consulting the wholesome dollar and this new particular um, marketplace that I wanted to start. And I found out I was pregnant as well at the same time. So uh, throw in morning sickness and exhaustion, um, something <laughs> had to do. And, yeah, that's it. So, um, yeah. so it was around about that point that I decided to focus on um, helping all these marketplace founders that I'd fallen in love with helping um, through the wholesome dollar. Um, so that this has now been my prim- primary focus essentially for the last four or so years now um, since that point in time. But, um, yeah, it's it's interesting journey. Isn't it wonderful yeah. when you when you You've, you find your North Star, you find your purpose. That's it, really, it. Especially after, you know, no doubt, you know, the, the wholesome dollar. Um, that would have taken a lot out of you. As you said, you were feeling burnout. So these these lessons don't come cheap, do they? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. That's it. But it's all part of the journey and that's what leads us to where we are now. So, um, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't change a, a minute of it. Um Although I certainly do wonder what would have happened had I still had the wholesome dollar. Um, it's, it was one of those, it's something that I still want to reinvigorate at some point in time, but just um, time constraints and energy constraints with children um, certainly makes it a lot harder. Yeah. Um, but, but one of the things I've been reflecting on a lot lately is being around um, 
if the wholesome dollar had made money earlier, um, would that have really shifted things for the business? And would that have mean that that would have been one of the things that would have been focused on now? And could I have kind of really followed my heart, I guess, as far as that particular business at that point in time? Um, and uh, it's, it's one of the areas that I'm really curious about uh, exploring now. And uh, it's, what I really want to understand. So we've got these eight pillars uh, in the marketplace map, and one of these pillars is uh, pillar number six, which is your growth. And, uh, sorry, it's your business model and profitability. And this is one of the areas that I am planning exploring a lot more in the coming months. Um, hopefully through a podcast, um, we're understanding what is it that goes into building a, a profitable marketplace, um, and can, and also exploring the idea of can we do a, uh, build a profitable marketplace, grow a profitable marketplace, without uh, relying on investors. Um, because that's a point that a lot of marketplaces get stuck at. They start working on a marketplace. Um, they know that they need to build up a, a growth story in order to scale. They need to build that next version of the website. Um, and investment is the way to do that. Um, but it is a really hard battle um, to get notice from investors and to ensure you have that growth story. Um, so I've got some interesting ideas that I'm really excited about exploring um, by yeah, interviewing a lot of people who really know this particular area really well. Um, and I have some of my own theories as well around how we can kind of bring profitability into a marketplace a lot sooner which I think really kind of brings together both the – I do believe that if we want to have a, a sustainable, profitable marketplace, um, that it really does come back to having a solid foundation, which really stems from really understanding the customers at the end of the day. Um, so th there's some really interesting ideas there that I'm really excited to explore. So uh, watch your space, I guess, as far as um, where that could be leading because I, I think that could be really interesting in tying together both the cus customer-centric um, thinking as well as actually having that really profitable business as well and how do we kind of how, – how they both work together in order to really build that sustainable business that we all essentially um, need in order to, to do our good work in the world. Like for investment, I always thought that investment was about scaling. And then I got involved in the dot-com world and it seemed like it was a lot like well, I was involved in dot-com at the turn of the millennium. And um, it was uh, there was a lot of gambling going on. It was, uh, you know, there was there was dot-com um, bubbles bursting all around me in 2000 when I joined the FT. Um, and it soon dawned on me that, crikey, there's, there's, there's people that aren't quite sure where they're going with this. Um, but if they, the ones that did know, the ones that still had the purpose, it didn't even matter that they failed. Their purpose could be um, could be transcended, and the ones that had built it on some traditional helping people in the real world, where the, maybe the problem was understood even more, they seem to be able to get to that scaling aspect of investment. Like you talk about having five success stories, mm. timestamp. We're 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 hopefully. And I'm not going to talk about what it is, but Halftime Orange is producing at the moment a software, which I'm hoping a software solution I'm hoping is going to be on our website by the time this podcast goes out. But the idea is deliver some outcomes first. Like if we can deliver, as you say, five really successful customer outcomes for people that are invested in those outcomes and that we can share the, the journey together, well, then all of a sudden you've got a scalable solution as opposed to a really good idea that might solve some problems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and there's, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that go into it, but it's definitely at the, the basis of it, I think, is really understanding that, that issue um, and 
yeah, and it's definitely the, the key place to start, I think, because without that, it's you're going to be really struggling. If you're scaling the wrong thing, you're not going to be successful at all. If you can scale the right thing, something that's working already, um, and then utilising technology to really help you scale up, I think you're definitely in a much better position from day dot. That, the, the, what you were saying about getting involved as well, it talks to um, the, the webinar that, that we recorded this morning. Um, James Dodkins shared 27 like usable, immediately applicable um, tips that people could use in their business. And one really struck a chord just then, which was he called them executive field trips. And actually, he's got executive field trip 1.0 and 2.0. And getting the people that are making the decisions, uh, in some cases it could be the founder or the CEO of a more established company, they get further and further away from the problem. So, so get them into your business, get them into the marketplace. The 2.0 is actually getting them to become almost mystery shoppers, feed the, the, the best performers in your, in your industry. But it's still, it's the same thing, right? It's getting that human experience about what the problem is and what solutions are required. Precisely, precisely. I think for for big companies and also websites as well, like it's so easy to forget that there are people at the other end of what we're doing. Um, when you're when you're working on a screen, you, you spend the whole day behind a computer screen. It's really, really easy to forget there are at the end of the day real people on the other end. And if you're not connecting with them in any way, shape, or form, if you're disconnected from them, disconnected from their needs, disconnected from where their mindset is, even just currently, like the the way the world's changed over the last six months, twelve months, is just drastic. So you really need to reconnect. And I guess that's a good point, the fact that things have changed so much this year. Reconnecting back to your customers is just absolutely critical because it's impossible to get in the minds of your users just by thinking about it. You need to really speak to them and connect to them. And without that, it's just going to – you just um, throw them out of the wall essentially just to see what sticks. And, um, yeah, I think it's really, really critical. I'd argue that if you can't do that, please at least try and think – like a customer I know it's hard yes well thinking definitely <laughs> I, I sh- yeah, while yeah. we were while we were in the green room I was sharing some tips from that same webinar with um, Phil and another one really struck me there again it's a customer chair and a customer chair 2.0 and the customer chair is pretty much you can do it with zoom you could have a little box you know just a just that's your customer that has to be considered that when you're making a decision in a meeting environment have that box there that's always open that um, or the chair in the corner, that you can, all right, well, what would this person think if they were there? And then 2.0 was taking turns to wear the customer hat. So in this, in one one um, meeting, it'll be the CEO has to, who has to just think like a customer. And then it'll be the marketing director in the next meeting, and then it'll be whoever it may be. But really powerful just the, but, yeah, you're right. Without, there needs to be the investment into actually understanding the customer and getting down because. Yeah, exactly. How how valuable are customer insights to companies? I mean, it's, it's, it honestly sounds like a silly question to be asking, but <laughs> considering only 11% of companies with voice of customer platforms that are spending, wait for it, it's a $4.6 billion industry and only 11% of people who are spending that huge sum of money say that they have customer insights from their voice of customer that gets distributed throughout their organization so it's so it sounds like a silly question but these silly questions need asking sometimes don't they they do they do and and i think that's one of the things that i've found as well like one one of my absolute favorite things to do with clients is to sit down we do a lot of workshopping we'll work through and developing a marketplace toolkit and this is where we do sit down and really work through the marketplace map but also really dive deep into those sides 
and really understanding those the um, those critical things about the user. And it's through doing those exercises that, that create these epiphanies. And it's my favourite thing is to be sitting in these workshops with clients who are sitting there, we're working through the journey mapping and that side of things. And then all of a sudden you can see the light bulb go off. And they're like, how did we miss that? Like it was just the, the most um, – it's like – absolutely business transforming and to think that there's so many businesses out there that don't take that step back and actually have a think about what's going on to put themselves in the shoes of the customer they're missing out there's there's just so many opportunities that it's just they'll 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 really kick themselves the moment they sit down and do this exercise because yeah the longer you put it off the longer you're missing out on that opportunity it's just it's (laughs) mind-blowing i'll tell you when they will kick themselves they'll kick themselves when somebody else has done it then they'll be kicking themselves. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> you know, definitely. I, I, I can think of one very, very specific industry that's associated with customer experience that know all the problems. They even create products with the problem embedded in it, but they try and make that problem as short as possible. But no one's trying to – very few people that I see are trying to remove this specific problem. It's just like, well, we know the problem's there, so let's make it as – kind of digestible as we can even though it's like it's still a sandwich of a certain description isn't it just because you put it in between some bread doesn't make the the, the substance delicious <laughs> so, <laughs> very true, anyway, very true. anyway um, <laughs> I, I, it's been a fascinating conversation we are trying to keep eye on time and i could talk about this for hours with you um but we haven't got hours and we're trying we're trying to keep this with under an hour i know that you're a busy person with with family life as well as business business life um but i try and always ask i've forgotten a couple in a couple of the last episodes but i'm really fascinated with we're all customers of somebody um we all have great customer experiences we all have truly terrible customer experiences in fact i think that that's the reason why this is also very important because it's kind of criminal that you pay your money to somebody and then you come away feeling a little bit worse about life i mean what's all that about so with that in mind and before we get to the really great customer experience what's what's some of the worst customer experience that you've recently experienced that maybe my listeners could learn from not to do well i've really got to think about this one um that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it bad that I can't think of one yet? No, no. It means, it means <laughs> is that a good thing? All, all, is that a good thing? It, it's good. It means the companies that you give your loyalty <laughs> to clearly deserve it. So that's that's wonderful to hear. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, nothing really comes to mind right now. Well, let's have a think about what. What about the very best exper- customer experience exemplars? Have you got something uh, that you could that our listeners could learn from from some great CX? So this is in the the real world, um, but I think when, when it, so uh, so my partner had a car accident a couple of weeks ago. Everyone's okay, thank oh, goodness. Well, um, well, glad to hear that. But, Sorry to hear about the accident. Yeah, um, but yeah, so everything everyone was okay. However, the car less so. Um, so the uh, surprisingly, the experience we had through the insurance company was actually. Um, Given the stressful situation, um, the person that that my partner spoke to um, really empathised at that particular point in time where he was standing on the side of the road going, this has just happened, what do we do, what happens now? Um, And the experience of actually um, being able to get the car towed very quickly, um, the fact that the person on the the other end of the call was really empathetic towards the situation uh, and... uh, 
they organise a rental car and given that we've got kids, it's critical that we've got our um, – we had that car. Um, so they've organised everything for us and we basically just had to turn up, pick up the rental car. Uh, we ended up with a top-of-the-range um, Corolla to um, drive around in, one of the, the hybrids, which was um, one of the highlights of my week, driving around in that. So I've never driven a hybrid before, so that was good. Um, but, yeah, just, just the, I think the fact that that, that – really understanding the situation that we're in at that particular point in time. Um, I think that that really led to having a positive customer experience in that aspect. Um, so we're at the tail end of that experience now. So we are a little bit unsure of um, kind of the next steps. So we're kind of now hit, if you kind of think of that customer journey and the, the map, um, we've kind of had our high and now we're kind of on the, the teeter end of it now, which they could either really impress us or they could um, bum out. So we'll see what happens. And that's the, the thing with, I guess, customer call centres is that you never know what you're going to get. Um, one person will be fantastic and the next person, who knows. And I guess that's, that's the, why it has to be part of the system. That's it, exactly. And training the people at the other end. <laughs> yeah, 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 ad hoc. It's funny. We all we all think that we we we're hiring people who are really great at dealing with people, but we're, but there's so many of us who are really great at dealing with great people. Yeah. But when you're in a when you're dealing with great people who might be going through terrible moments um, and stressing out over smashing up their car and wondering what the next steps are, well, they don't act they don't act as rationally as the the happy people that are easy to deal with. So it's so important. It is lovely to hear a positive story about the insurance industry. Do you want to name Do you want to name and the the company as a as an example? <laughs> um, well, in this, this particular yeah, this particular case is NRMA, um, so over in Australia. So um, I'm not sure for how typical it is. Uh, however, yeah, we definitely had a, a positive experience this time around. So. Um, I have actually thought of a um, a bad customer experience as well that I can refer back to. Particularly, I knew you would. We all can. So yeah, hit us with that. <laughs> um, we tried one of the uh, one of the marketplaces um, that allow you to find a cleaner to come and clean your house, and we had somebody who come in to do the cleaning. Um, and luckily, I was home at the time. Um, but this particular person had decided to use um, toilet cleaner on our oven and our stovetop to do the cleaning, um, which was a point where I had to go, oh, actually, that's toilet cleaner. I don't want that in my kitchen. Um, so that was a particular point in time where I like that. Now, it might have been – now, I'm not blaming that particular individual, but I think where things did go wrong, given it was a marketplace, um, I, it goes to show how important it is to actually onboard and train and ensure that the people who are using um, know what they're doing. Um, so there should have been – she should have known the correct products to be using in which room, I would have thought. Um, so I think it just goes to show that you really need to be making sure that you um, are aware of who the people are that are in your, your platform within your marketplace, making sure they know what they're doing, train them up if you need to, um, and and if required, you might need to vet them out if it's just not working out. Um, the quality of supply is absolutely critical. Um, again, this comes back to customer experience. It's the customer experience of when you're physically dealing with somebody, um, again, like the Airbnb um, example where you you have the check-in, if that check-in experience is really horrible and it's 3 a.m. in the morning and you can't get hold of anybody, that's really going to burn your bridges. Same with this particular platform, having somebody come out who just did, obviously didn't quite know the right way of cleaning uh, and using the wrong cleaning products within our house was um, a good example as to how customer experience needs to be thought about not only 
through your website, not only through that side of things, but also post the initial transaction to the actual exchange of whatever's happening within your marketplace. Um, so, yeah, that one definitely comes to mind as we're talking now. I, I think it's really important what you said there, especially around unhappy customers. Like we've got to we've got to realise that they are absolute gold to our in to as insight to our business. The the true fact is you're only ever going to hear from four percent of unhappy customers, which is kind of should be concerning. I mean, I had a I had a conversation with somebody who I guess I'm a bit of their marketplace. This is somebody who connects different groups of people and very effectively. But I was um, I was probably a little bit critical of their um, UX around their website, and I was told, "Well, I've only ever had four complaints, so I, I try and be gracious with with hearing it. And, you know, I've got to remember that the customers are all right, but I haven't got anything to worry about because I've only had four complaints." And that was the actual number. And the reality is, that means a hundred people don't like it. Now. This, this marketplace is very small. So please, if you're out there and you have any complaints about your marketplace or, or your company, really, really treat them with the respect and, the, and, the, and um, value them because we're, we're taking a bit of a – we know that most companies aren't listening to us when we're complaining, or that's the perception. So let's honour those, um, let's honor those um, complaints. Let's do something about those complaints and um, let's use them and value them the way that they should be. Yeah, and I think it's also a time to shine as well. I mean, if you're getting somebody complaining about it, step above and beyond and, and make the situation better and make it a reason for that person to rave about your business instead. Um, I think that's that's something that I, I've experienced in the past um, where it can make such a huge difference. Um, so I think it's definitely, definitely yeah, make it your time to shine. Yeah, definitely. Remember, people they say people leave a company or a brand that they love a third of people will leave it after a bad experience i call um bullshit on that that it's <laughs> it's the third of people will leave a company or brand that they love after a badly handled bad experience like how we handle it is is all i mean i am loyal to so many people that have screwed up because of the way that they've handled those messages it shows it shows our character so yeah yeah embrace them yeah. um beck Beck, it's been wonderful. We're, we're coming up to not far off the hour, so I'm going to release you back into the wild. Um, I really, really appreciate your time. Um, before we let you go, um, if there's anybody out there who wants to explore their position in a marketplace, what a marketplace that um, might look like where in, in an area that they work, um, how would be best for them to reach out to you? And, yeah. and, and also, is there anything else that we, you know, you'd like to, to plug before, um, <laughs> before we go as well? Yeah, good question. Um, so I guess the best place to start for anybody is really to head over to themarketplaceplaybook.com um, forward slash map is where they can get the marketplace map. Um, once you download the map, um, there'll be a couple of questions there where it'll help me to understand more about who you are um, and what you're all about and where you're up to. Uh, and then that will lead you on a journey essentially to really um, understand how to use that marketplace map. Um, now, on top of that as well, you can obviously contact me through my website as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I, I know we are talking about the eight pillars before. I think we got through about three of them, but there's definitely a lot more to learn around those pillars. So uh, downloading that map's the, the best place to start. And um, from there, there will be some YouTube videos and things like that that you can refer to, to to get a good understanding of it. 
Brilliant. So, yeah, thanks a bit. Well, great. We'll, we'll put all of that in the show notes as well. Um, please reach out to Beck. Um, I've worked with her on a couple of projects already, and it's a joy um, to work with, with, with somebody who cares about um, marketplaces, the humans on all sides, um, the way that Beck does. So, again, thank you very much, Beck. Have a wonderful rest of your day and your week. Thank you very much, and you too. It's been great being on the show. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for listening today. I hope you got some really solid value out of the conversation. If you did get some value, please consider subscribing using any of the links below. We are on all major podcast platforms. And feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or via our website, www.halftimeorange.co.nz. Look forward to speaking with you next time.